Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So i got a question for you. And I want you to ponder it for just a second. What is important to you? Let that sink in. Let it just, you know, don't just be like, oh, yeah. Because I think that's kind of what we do. We hear those words and we throw out generic things and we don't really think about what that actually means. Uh, If you don't know what's important to you, uh, you will let the tyranny of the urgent determine what important is. Do you know how to spell important? (laughs) And this is comical because I am the worst speller ever. Uh, But I spell important and I think God spells important. T-I-M-E. If it's not important to you, um, you don't make time or take time with it or them. So you may say these things are important to me, but if you don't spend time with them or it or whatever that is important to you, it's not really important to you. It's just an ideology that you don't really hold to. It's it's good things that me you know mingle around in your head, but they don't really do anything. And yes, my sabbatical does start right after service. So if I sneak out afterwards, uh, we're driving. Uh, we're going to spend uh, two weeks in the mountains. And uh, if you know me well, you know me that God is definitely closer to people that are in the mountains. <laughs> Uh, my wife and I met at App State, so love, love, love the cooler weather. I'm already looking at the highs in the 70s, like, <laughs> praise the Lord. <clears throat> so I want to, before I go, give you a gift. Before I take some time to rest, reflect, and hopefully get some refreshing. My gift to you is more like a challenge than a gift, but if you accept the challenge, you will experience the gift. I do this, the letter of Paul, in an awkward way. This one verse, actually we're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 1-17, through 17, and verse 16 is why I'm preaching today. And in verses 1-15, through 15, you'll be like, what is he talking about? That's okay. Paul sent this letter to Corinth to deal with divisions within it. And no, this isn't the message that I'm going to be like, you, you, and you are troublemakers. You need to stop. That's not today. I don't think um, reach has divisions that's causing trouble within it. Uh, Reach, if you're new here or been here forever, reach is not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, you will be living a life of disappointment if you continue to be connected to churches. But I do believe that reach is pretty healthy, and uh, there is a strong leadership team, and I think over the next six weeks you'll see how great that leadership team is. So I encourage you, um, if you got my letter to the church about our sabbatical, um, I want you to show up. I think sometimes when the pastor's not here, they'll be like, he's not taking role today. Uh, God's still taking role, so show up to church. Um, Not that that'll exclude you from getting to heaven, but, you know, if you want a big house. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
That's a bad joke. That is a joke. If you know me, like, that is a joke. Please. If you're new here, be like, I knew this is that kind of church. It's not. But you're going to see it. So here, here's my thing that I want you to hear today. If you're in this room, you at least have the inkling that Jesus is important. That God is important. That your connection to him is important. So what I'm going to challenge you today is to make space and time for Jesus. Because if you don't, it won't happen. No matter how well-intentioned you are, if you don't decide that it's important, and if you don't make that importance known in the time that you spend at it, it's not important. Let's pray. Jesus, I just rebuke the devourer that right now that would sprinkle condemnation on the ears of people in this room that would that little voice that says you're worthless because you don't give jesus the time that he should and he deserves would i rebuke that in in your name because you're the loving father that is constantly calling his children to him and the moment they realize their mistake you are there ready willing And so, Lord, I pray that today as we read your word, as we hear the words of this letter written to your church, Lord, I pray that it would speak to us. Lord, I pray that we would decide today through a conviction of the Holy Spirit that moves us to life to make you a priority. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we... If you've been around, we've talked about this. I did a couple of um, messages through foreign, um, Corinthians. Uh, but just to give you kind of a highlight, I like people to understand, like, what was this letter for? Why was it written? Um, but this letter was written to Corinth, which was born in Acts 18. Um, you can go check that out. Uh, by Paul. Paul spent 18 months in this city. He loved this city. Um, I think this is one of the longest time frames that he spent in one place building a church and he leaves and there's issues with the church which is not abnormal but just like paul we want to deal with things that need to be dealt with corinth was a wealthy port city in greece and the church like i just said had some issues these issues were the reason for this letter but paul wanted the church in corinth to be strong and mature that was his purpose in writing this letter and in chapter two leading up to this which this isn't going to be up there but he's talking about um very similar to what our last song was like it's the holy spirit It's, it's about being led by the holy spirit and there's some things that we won't understand unless we understand our need to lean into the holy spirit and receive from the holy spirit what he wants to reveal to us. And I believe in these moments, in this message, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some things in you that you need to deal with. And you can ignore them and go back into the busy world of outside of this room um, and life will continue as it has been. But if you want something different, you're going to have to do something about it. Your body isn't going to change because you want it to. 
Everything else in our life, we actively do things to change things in our life. Why is the Holy Spirit and our life with Him any different? We feel that we can just say a prayer in this moment and go, God, I want you. And then don't do anything that communicates that want for the rest of the week and expect that God do all these miraculous things in us and through us instead of making space for Jesus. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, starting in verse 1. And I'll try to make as much sense and it'll lead to where I want it to be, but you'll be maybe potentially a little confused as we get in um, to how is this making space for Jesus. And if you read verse 16, it'll make a little bit more sense. But here we go. Verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. He's dealing with an issue that they have. And he's saying, I can't even, I can't even address you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ... Paul is addressing those who are stuck, the ones that are still trusting in and living in the flesh. Verse 2, it says, I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only as humans? When you see things in your life that don't reflect Jesus, you're acting in the flesh. When you get frustrated and you allow that frustration to come out of your mouth and say things to other people, spouses, children, uh, employees, customers, people out on the road that don't reflect Jesus, you are operating in the flesh. Period. That's what he's saying. This is not judgment from Paul. For the young in the faith, this is judgment for people that should know better. Like, hey guys, like I should be able to communicate to you as spiritual people, but I cannot. I've said this lots of times, but um, he has an issue with 20-year-old babies. And I don't mean 20-year-olds that are in this room that are babies. I mean people that have said yes to Jesus and started that journey living surrendering to him and you've been years and decades in it and you still act like a child we start out as babies and in our infancy there is great grace how much do you expect out of your six-month-old as far as chores go in your house none I believe God is the same for us, but the expectation is that you will grow. And I'm just going to put this out there. If you're not growing, Jesus isn't important to you and you're not spending time with him. Because if you spend time with him, you will grow. That's how it goes. If you spend time with the Holy Spirit, if you spend time with God, you will grow. And now I will tell you, for those that feel like, man, they're working hard at it, it is a lifelong process. You will never finish growth. As long as you take a breath, there are things that God wants to work on you. And you're not perfect. And the beauty of communing and having relationship with the Holy Spirit is that He'll move us out of those immaturities to greater maturity. And that will continue our whole life. And then he goes into this stupid conversation. And this is their, you know, 
Well, I'm a Baptist and I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Catholic. Which none of those, hear me, mean anything. Not that they're not valuable, but they are not our salvation. Listen to this. In verse 4, it says, For when one says, I follow Paul, which he's Paul, that's writing the letter, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Paul here explains what he's talking about. This, this idea that my church is better than yours. My pastor is better than yours. And our worship is better than yours. How many churches have been divided over things that don't matter? I mean, there are things that matter. Don't get me wrong. There are things that matter. Doctrine matters. But pretty much outside of that, how it's done and how you do this and whether you do that, I think sometimes we elevate these things that don't matter into positions of importance, and they're not. And then we fight over these things that we deem important that aren't really important. Verse 5, it says, And then, what then is Apollos? Which, Apollos isn't a bad guy. He's not doing a bad thing. He's not like the enemy that's coming and sowing bad seed. And what is Paul Servants through him you believed, as the Lord had signed to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. The church and his pastors are just tools to build faith and make much of God. Sometimes we spend a lot of time making much of us. To be completely honest, I'm a little afraid of the six weeks. Because this is my identity. This is who I've been for 19 years. And I'm a, little, I'm a little scared of not having this. Because there's so much of me that's wrapped up in this that I'm a little afraid of getting away from it. What that means for me. When mentally I know that it means nothing. Like I, I'm to be faithful to Jesus. But this, preaching on Sundays and doing the work of the church and faithfully serving and whatever. It's just something that he calls me to, but it's not who I am to him. He doesn't love me because I do these things. He loved me, called me, and I do the things that he calls me to. But my love is not, or his love for me is not gleaned from these. But I'm telling you, sometimes when we take these things away, we, we struggle with our identity. Now, I'm, a little, I'm, I'm a little concerned how this is going to be. Because it's so much of what I do, so much of what I think about, I deleted um, all social media off of my phone this uh, last night at 9 o'clock. I got rid of all my emails on my phone. Basically, other than my Bible app that does give me a notification, I don't think there's anything other than my email that will give me a red dot in my absence. And if you know me, I don't like red dots. I wake up in the morning just to get rid of red dots. That's pretty much the first thing I do because I can't deal with a red dot. <laughs> and it's it's funny, this morning I got up and I didn't really have anything to do. It's amazing how much time we spend doing things that don't matter with our phone. And like, oh, and I, I looked at my phone, I was like, there's not really. So I, I opened up my Bible app and 
read my devotions. I didn't have anything else distracting me. It was pretty awesome. I may not go back to social media when I come back. Um, listen to this in First Peter two nine. So just 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 so you're not like, well, he's talking about these leaders and is an issue with the leaders. Look at this is what he calls us in First Peter two nine. It says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light." If you are a child of God sitting in this room, that is you. A royal priesthood. What if you got that imprinted in your consciousness where you just thought about that all the time? I think about it all the time. Mostly on the judgment side of like, oh, am I doing a good job? Did I do that right? Did I say that right? Because it's my, it's my job. It's what I do. What if, what if you lived in this world where you thought, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a representative of the King Most High. What would that change? The way we interact, the things that we do. Hopefully it would. Verse 7, it says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters, <laughs> talking about here's a value statement, is anything. So neither he that preaches on Sunday morning and is the lead pastor, not old enough to be senior pastor yet. <laughs> getting there, though. Getting there. Is anything. And that's not diminishing what they're doing. That's just saying that, guys, this isn't about them. This is about God. In the moment we make something else more important than God that's inside his church, we're in trouble. But only God gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. Now we're getting close to the imagery that I want to get to today. Talking about making room for Jesus. Verse 10, it says, according to the grace that God has given me. Like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. And he's talking a lot about the church leadership. But he's not going to exclude everyone else who's sitting here going, what's well, their fault? They should. Yes, yes. This next verse puts it on everybody's shoulders. Let each one take care how he builds... Upon it. There can be what one foundation. If you've got your foundation wrong, your house is going to crumble. One of the words that I felt like God gave me before we planted this church is secure the foundation and don't build anything outside of it. And my picture was this house. You know, if you build, my house is sitting on a slab, which is not what I'm used to from central North Carolina. We have found, you know, like crawl spaces, which are horrible. <laughs> Anyway, long story about that. Um, and, but there's, if I just decided I wanted to put something on the side of my house and I built these, you know, uh, walls and roof, but I didn't add it or connect it to my foundation, eventually, get the imagery here, that's going to sink, fall, and come down. And what happens 
to it is it comes down to the thing that's built on the foundation. It pulls it down. And that, that's the picture here is that God has given us one foundation and we are to be very diligent, but very intentional about how we and what we build on the foundation. And he's going to make it very clear what the foundation is, just so this isn't confusing. Verse 11, it says, For no one can lay a foundation other that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will be made manifest. You may hide everything for long periods of time, and no one in this world may know about it but your work will be tested maybe not here which is embarrassing if people find out and i think um honestly i think our our world our country is as civilized as it is because there are rules and laws that keep people within their realm but when we think we can hide things we we kind of sneak and do things that are a little shady not you people, I'm talking about those out in the world, of course. But look at this. I mean, God's saying, hey, to build well and build with the right things because at the end it's going to be tested. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Not the same type of fire that we are singing about. Um, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work has been built on the foundation, survives, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through the fire. If you're on the right foundation, then we get Jesus. And listen to this. I, I don't want to produce a bunch of people that are survived by fire, that their their life is hay and stubble. And you make it to heaven, but only with what you walk in with. And I'm not talking about houses and all those other things. What are you building? And in that building, are you making room for the person that you're building it for, which is God? Just the whole purpose here. Then verse 16, and this is why I'm preaching this word today. Do you not know that you, son or daughter, are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. So I'm asking you, challenging you to make room. For what you already are supposed to be. You are God's temple. And the spirit of the Lord dwells in you. If you are God's child. The silly part is. is That's the truth. And we make little to no room for him. Or we think naively. That we can lock him in the living room. And keep him out of all the other rooms in our house. That doesn't work really well. It's like uh, my mom trying to hide Christmas presents when I was little. I will find them. I will unwrap them and rewrap them. 
I was so bad at that that one year I got a Michael Jordan black sweatshirt in the middle of summer because that's when she found it. And I live in North Carolina and it's 90 some degrees. We don't wear sweatshirts here in the summer. But he's going to have access to every part of your house. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple, you, is holy and you are that temple. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you are his temple and the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's what the word tells us today. There was an illustration I should bring more visual things because I think it would be more entertaining for people to see these things. But I'm going to I'm going to paint the picture for you. So you have to use your imagination. There was an illustration I read years ago about a professor that came into a room. And he had three different he had one big mason jar and he had three different buckets, uh, sand, little pebbles and larger rocks. And he asked a student and he was like, hey, these things will fit in this jar Come up there. And so the first student comes up there and grabs the sand, dumps it in there, dumps the little rocks, and can only put one or two of the bigger rocks. And the majority of them, he couldn't fit in there. And they're like, no, it doesn't work. So he empties them out, redistributes them into the three different containers, and then he shows them by putting the large stones in the mason jar first, and then the little rocks that'll go in between the cracks and room that were created by the big stones. And then the sand will go down and he could shake the mason jar and the sand would go in there and all the items would fit inside the jar. And this was his lesson. Those big stones are the important things in your life that you want in your jar. Every one of us want them in your jar. No one in here wants um, uh, ill-behaved children, If you do, you're psychotic and you need help. I mean, mean, there's therapy that needs to happen. Someone's goal is like, I want children to be horrible. I want Pepsi 80, you know, on the whatever, because my stomach is upset because they're going crazy. We we don't want all those things. And, and, And no one in here that's still currently married wants a bad marriage. You may want out of it because it's inconvenient for you or a lot of work. But no one in here desired a bad marriage. Um, no one in here that loves Jesus and had an uh, authentic experience being entered into a relationship with him wants a bad relationship with God. That's not your hope. I mean, no one's saying these things, but if, if, if like the question I asked you at the beginning, what's the most important thing to you? If, if you don't identify those things, you're going, to, you're going to pour the sand in your bucket, you're going to pour the little rocks on there, and all the things that really matter, that are really important to you, aren't going to fit in your life. So you have to put those larger things in there. And this takes some reflection on your end, pulling back and saying, what are those things? And I'm going to, honestly, honestly, what I'm most excited about for the next six weeks is I'm emptying out my bucket. Because it is, it is very easy to spend your time doing all the things that don't matter and missing out on divine opportunities 
with the things that do matter. And so my goal during this six weeks, and not that I'm a horrible person, not that my life has fallen apart, my wife hates me or my children don't like me, uh, but I could be a lot better at all of those things. And what I'm asking you today, what I'm challenging you today, the gift that I would love to give you is for you to declare what is important to you and you to pour out your bucket. I know you don't have the next six weeks to do what I'm doing necessarily, but you can right now choose to make room for Jesus. Because I think if if we'll make a little room for Jesus, Jesus is like... I hate comparing Jesus to a virus with all this going on, but he infects the rest of us. If you'll start to make a little room for him, he will make more and more room for him because he'll clean things out. And so what I'm asking of you today is how much room are you willing to give him? And I mean, I don't I'm not I'm not talking about like. Highbrow, like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm literally talking about what are you going to change in your schedule tomorrow to make room for Jesus? Because if you want to have that relationship with Him that you desire, that we sing about and that you read about, you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to make room for Him. If you don't make room for Him, it won't happen. And this is not my effort to guilt you to read more what you should or pray more what you should. This is my effort to beg you to go everything your heart's desire is connected to Jesus. And if you'll begin to lay down things that don't matter as much and elevate the things that do matter, your life's going to be a whole lot better. And the center part of that is Jesus. So another question as we get ready to close is, what are you building with? Not to go to the three little piggies illustration. But when the winds come, which they will, and the tremors come, which they will, how's your house going to hold up to it? What is it built with? Like, are you building with gold, silver, and precious stones? Are you building with hay, straw, and stubble? Now is the time to make room and build something that matters. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. I would love... I'm, I, I've been told to have very loose expectations of what I want God to do during the six weeks. Um, because if I start demanding of Him... Um, especially if it's not something he intends to do in this next six weeks, uh, I could be highly disappointed. But if I have open hands like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but with what he wants to do, I expect my return back here is going to bring something different. And here's what I want. Here's what my desire is. Is that when I come back, you're ready for what I believe God wants to do in and through our church. So you cannot... Be ready, and I'll, with more, not frustration, but with more zeal, 
whip you into shape then, or we could all be ready six weeks from now with an anticipation that God wants to do something in this city. And he doesn't want to do something in the city through just himself. Like he, he's never evaded places without people. He invades people and then people invade places. And Jesus comes to those places when he sent out the 72 to prepare people for it. I, I, here's what I'm asking here, here. If you want to do something for Heath during the next six weeks is make room for Jesus. Because I believe, and I said this several times, and not to say that I don't want other people in this room, everything we need for God to do what He's going to do in this city through this church is in this room. So let's get ready. Let's have some anticipation that God will use you. See, and this is something that this, this church needs to see over the next six weeks. This church is not Heath Cadell. It's not. I, I can't live in a world that this church exists because of me. Because it's a, it's a false environment that's not real. This church exists for one purpose, which is to expand the kingdom in this city. And what I believe you'll see over the next six weeks is that people will step up. You'll see leaders that you didn't even know were there that are already in this room doing things that you're like, oh my gosh. Like, can you imagine the potential that's in this room if we would all live to our potential? And so here, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to pray. Um, I, believe, I believe I have the authority to do this uh, and the power to do this. Um, I'm going to let go of the Holy Spirit on you. Because I cannot save you. I cannot fix you. I cannot restore you, but he can. And so if you want that, as I'm praying today, receive it. Say, God, I want that. I don't know how it works. I don't know how what I'm going to do tomorrow, but I, I'm ready. I want more of you. So let's pray. Jesus, I don't demand anything of you because I don't have that authority, but I ask on behalf of this church, on behalf of these people in this room, Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit fall here today. Lord, I, I pray that you would release the comforter that you promised in John. That I'm sending, it is beneficial that I leave so that the comforter, the helper will come. And Lord, we in this room need your help to be what you've called us to be. We will continue to need your help as long as we strive to be your children and strive to live in this world as your children. But we are asking right now for your help. Lord, I'm praying over the people right now that you would release their potential. Lord, I pray that you would in them give them a hunger for a peace and a joy. Lord, I pray that you would shake the delusion that these things that we're fighting for, that, that we're working for, these possessions mean anything. 
Lord, I pray that we would understand what Paul meant when he said, I've learned to be content with all things, with much or none. And Lord, I pray that over the next six weeks that you prepare me and this church and the people in this room to take our city to have a a, a new zeal and love and affection to preach your word to love people Lord we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done but let it happen in us first and Lord I do pray just that you would protect the body your body this church while I'm gone let your spirit work in us let your spirit fall and Lord I pray that you would bring life to dead places as we make room for you pray these things in Jesus name Amen thank you for listening to today's message for more information be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.